0: On this episode, I'll be speaking to one of Senup's senior front-end developers, Yang Wong. For over a decade, Yang has been working in front and back-end development roles. In some of his past jobs, he's been referred to as Super Yang, one of his managers stating, I've never seen him stress or panic, and I've never seen him complain. And from what I know of Yang, this could not be more true. In 2005, he graduated from the Queensland University of Technology in Australia and since then has worked mainly as a digital and games developer. In 2017, Yang moved across the pond to London, and this is where we met. While at SenUp, he's worked on projects small and large, but the one I thought would be most exciting to hear about was the Elton John website. Welcome, Yang, to the second episode of Glad to Have You Here.
1: Glad to be here.
0: (laughs) So I had just joined SenUp um, as an intern when the Elton site was in the studio. This was, I guess, last summer, and it was quite a surprise to me to have such a big name client in as as an intern. I was like blown away. How did you get put onto the project?
1: So the project was reasonably large and had to be completed in a reasonably tight time frame. So it was a large proportion of the studio was involved in designing and developing it. So being one of the developers it's pulled on board.
0: Do you can you remember like what the timeline of that
1: project was at all? Um, not really. I mean, it was like it was months. But by the time I got on board, being a developer, um, I was brought on kind of maybe halfway or a third of the way through the project. Um, so I, I don't exactly know what what happened before I was brought on board.
0: I find that that's something actually really interesting. That before getting into the industry, you don't really understand like what a timeline of a project is. And you, and you definitely don't understand that like design is only like a part of it. And then like actually where the big chunk of time is generally in development, is that right?
1: It, it really depends what the nature of the project is and um, the studio style, I would say. So I've worked at previous agencies where as a developer, you literally don't get involved until right at the end. And that was typically when I was freelancing. So basically the design gets signed off by the client and all the agency wants is someone to build it and execute it. And during execution, um, there's a tiny bit of back and forth between um, design development. But um, generally, from my experience anyway, I was brought on basically right at the end. Any problems, technical issues that um, should have been flagged during design time don't get flagged until build time. And um, that can blow out timelines or it can cause problems. So as a developer on previous, on previous projects that worked that way, you needed to kind of anticipate these things. And when you provide estimates on how long it'll take to build something, you have to build in this particular kind of process. With Elton, it was, it was different and with Standard, it's different because um, over here, there's a lot of collaboration back and forth between design and development. So you know, developers get brought on way earlier. And, um, and that's just development. And in the end, we did have a technical – our technical director was involved from the start, so obviously um, he has an overview, technical overview of that, and that's kind of his role. But bringing on the actual development, um, developers, you can do later on, but with up we tend to bring developers on a lot sooner because it's just the way we work.
0: Can you just talk about, for people who – don't really understand what, in your eyes, the role of like, I guess, a front and back-end developer, well, mainly front-end
1: developer role is like. Um, so, so basically, back-end developer is someone who um, traditionally with agency kind of work, but this kind of website anyway, it's the person that has to um, build the CMS, either choose CMS um, and modifications or build a CMS and then deal with um, the more uh, technical aspects of launching a site, like domain names and, and SL certificates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Basically they're, they're kind of building the ability for the, the client to create data feeds. And as a front end developer, um, you then basically read these data feeds and then you form it into what people visually see on the website. So as a front end developer, a lot of the time you can work at the same time as back-end developer. Usually you don't have the same person doing both, though you can. Um, so as, as a freelancer, well, I tended to do both. So you do the back-end front-end, which is really good because basically as a front-end developer, if you need a bit of data, you just make it available in the back-end. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're working with someone else, um, if you don't work closely with a back-end developer, that may cause problems because then you're asking them for something which then it may take them time to provide and then there's kind of back and forth and but if you do it all at once as in you, you do it by yourself then um, it's a bit, bit, bit more fluid but I can't say it's uh yeah I, it, it really differs between project and project but um yeah so front and development here at setup though it's um it's different in that because we work so closely with designers Often what we would do even during design time is that we would build design tools for designers to then use um, based on what they want to do within the website visually or technically or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of back and forth in that because the design tools themselves aren't really, they they don't don't manifest themselves, they're, they're they're not anywhere on the website. But the result of using those tools, which developers build, the front developers build, gets seen on the actual eventual website.
0: Okay, I feel like a million more questions from what you just said. Um, I guess my first one is you talk about, like, when you're freelancing, you're doing this front and back end. Is that seen as, like, two two roles that
1: you're, you're doing? No. Well, tra- traditionally, it wasn't. Tra- tra- traditionally... So when I say our freelance agencies, they're primarily advertising agencies. So they pretty much, they, they, they care about the design and the execution um, of that design, but they have no one in-house generally to build it. So, and because timelines are usually very, very tight, it's, it's all about timelines really. Someone that you can trust to just give a design to, to just build. So generally you give it to one person because you can trust that one person do the whole thing with larger projects you'd probably want to um, uh, bring on a larger team or at that point you probably have an in-house team but you may need a developer to help out but as a freelancer my my service that I provided um, agencies was I can come in work with your designers to execute something to a certain timeline and I could do the entire technical execution Um, so that was kind of the majority of my role we, we, which also meant that um, when the project was also a bit a larger scope and you, you work with a client often enough they will sometimes bring you one earlier in the process and actually get you to essentially technically consult on the project mm-hmm. especially if it's a bigger project or if it's a more um, interesting project where the technical it's not just a brochure website it's an installation or something something else and then you can come in and then kind of be more involved in that that side of the early in the process which is in my opinion as a developer who likes the front end stuff that's what I kind of enjoyed being early on in the process
0: is that also because when you studied you studied like design and development right your course is kind of geared towards both yes yeah because I find that kind of unique was that program unique
1: in that way so uni was a long time ago but mm-hmm. uh, when I did my degree so it was the first year that degree that double degree was offered at the university yeah. so basically it was trying to um, jam a communication design degree and an IT degree in the programming field together which is interesting because you know faculties yeah. generally don't cross communicate mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to bring together but It was fun. I think there there, there was a cohort. So I started with a cohort of about 45 students at the beginning and um, it was a four year degree. And at the end, um, I think maybe six of us graduated. So there was a a massive dropout rate. Mostly because I think it's, it takes a certain kind of person who's interested Mm -hmm. um, in both design and development to stick with it Mm -hmm. because they're really taught, the two degrees are taught very differently. Mm Um, it's a lot better now. I'm sure there's games degrees now, which are way better taught. Um, but back when we did it, um, it was kind of a new thing. I think the main thing about these double degrees, where's design development, is that you have to be interested in it. So what I was interested in was games, because you know you play games as a kid and you want to make games. And um, a lot of it grew to realise that a real problem with Anything that you want to create is that you have an idea, but you can't build it, or you can build something, but you can't do the art, or you can't come up with the idea. So that's really frustrating for a lot of people. And I think um, you, you go through uni, and you study your design degree, you work with designers who are frustrated that they can't execute everything themselves, or you do something in an IT degree, and you, you work with programmers who are really frustrated that they have no art skills and they, they prefer not to do it. So I think I personally, I guess it's partly control, you know, creative control, but I also knew that I could execute. So it's kind of like if I wanted to execute my ideas or work with other people to execute ideas, I think execution is really important basically. You can have the best idea and the best art and the best design in the world, but if you can't execute it, it falls apart. So I knew I had to execute and thankfully I, I figured out I could execute. So then it just felt advantageous to keep going with the design as well. So that I learned a lot from more about design, work with designers. And, you know, like anything like in life, it's, especially university, it's not always what, what you learn, it's who you meet mm. and who you work with at university because generally they'll, a lot of them will be lifelong friends but also they'll be in the industry, go through the industry with you and who knows, you may buy the term in the future and because you've worked together previously and you kind of know how you work together. Um, that can really help you in your career. It's totally true.
0: I remember our teachers telling us that like, look around the room, like this is like first like week or something. Look around the room. These are going to be your best friends. They're going to be your employers. Mm, yeah, definitely. Like, all right. I don't know. When you're in that place, you don't really understand what you're saying, I guess. But like, it's so true. I, immediately, like after all graduated, it was like, everybody who got a job is trying to help all the people who didn't get a job. And because you're such like a tight knit, like you said, you know, everybody, you know how they work, you know what they're interested in. Like, if you can't take a job. You're
1: like, oh, I know this person's good with like typography. Said they can take it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's well, so how it is, right? It's like you got a big job and you need, let's say, an illustrator. You don't illustrate, so you need to find one. Well, who do you go to? You go to someone who you know who's an illustrator. Generally, notebooks are really important.
0: To your point about execution, and personally, I found that like a hard, really hard thing to to do in in university, especially. I was also in kind of like a similar cohort thing, where like you're all with each other and whatever, and you see the strengths of other people. Some people are really amazing at execution the entire time, and so and for me, it was like definitely something I had to learn. I think like. Grow into. But it seems like having those two skills of like designing and developing meant that if you had a design that you could, that it wasn't just like, well, how the heck do I do this? Like, do I just like fake it, like Photoshop it or whatever? But like, if you have the skills to like build something, you can kind of like test it out and actually like execute it to like
1: a higher level. Do you think that that like helped you guys like get a job? I, I think it definitely does. At the very least, you should have exposure into other um parts of the process of executing a product mm-hmm. so as a designer um, you don't have to code but it's good to know a little bit about it so that you understand the limitations but that's just through experience right so the thing is in the end let's say you're designing a poster you need to understand how printing works and you know the material and so you need to know how something's executed how something's built how mm-hmm. something's uh, realized so it's really important to know that. And as a developer, it's really important to know design too, the value of design, why something has been designed in a certain way. Because more often than not, when you get a design or when you start development, there's lots of pieces which are not just missing, but you didn't anticipate. Yeah. And the more you know about design and um, the more you understand about intent of the designer the more effective you'll be into building something because then there's not this back and forth. Like I think a lot of, in in the the old days, I think a lot of developers just want to be told the tasks they need to do and they'll execute it. But if you don't tell them exactly what they should do, they won't execute it. They won't actually do it. Like think about the edge cases and whatnot, which I think it's pretty crazy that mentality exists. I think any good developer, any any experienced developer should be able to anticipate the purpose, the goals of what they're trying to build, not just from a technical point of view, but from a user point of view, and that's really, really important. So the more that everyone knows about the process, the more efficient the whole process. And it's kind of like having a shared language, right?
0: It's
1: a lot about um, any industry is that you'll find uh, you start to use a lingo or a language and use terms that, in your industry, everyone understands. It's kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're, in the end, we're all in the same industry, in a sense, though we have different paths. So the more we understand each other, the better the outcome will be.
0: Um, do you think that that kind of mindset of like thinking about design and development made you kind of go towards building these tools? Like, in my eyes, in my, this is like a, a cool thing that you do, is like build these tools for designers.
1: In most of my previous jobs as a freelancer Mm -hmm. to um, ad agencies or digital agencies. I didn't get to build many design tools for them because I was never part of the company as such. I wasn't sitting next to people. Mm -hmm. And the second you don't have that day-to-day contact with people, you don't realize what you want from each other. So I'd be brought in to execute something. never really had the chance to build these tools. But then when I left freelancing to come to London, get a full-time job due to visas, you realize that you can offer these services internally to designers, to other developers too, because you're sitting next to one another, they get frustrated because they want to do something, they want to see something, or they're trying to execute something in After Effects or um, Flash or whatever, and it's just taking monumental amounts of time to do it because it's a complicated system to try and create some kind of a visual effect. Whereas as a developer, if you could just build a tool which allows them to iterate on their ideas quicker and more effectively, and then you can actually use the output of that tool in the final product, then it just makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense efficiency-wise, and you generally get a better product because you work together. I think, though, looking back on um, my trajectory so far, I've grown to realize that I've always built design tools. So I, I think I've always been... A bit predisposed to doing these kinds of things, so I started my career, I guess my first paid job, basically building um, a system that allows anyone to create Easter egg hunts, essentially. So you can you create uh, you can create like questions. So you tell someone to try and find something, and when they find it, message back the answer, what they found, and then. If they got it right, then it gave them the next question. So it's kind of like a path, a linear path. Um, if they got it wrong, then it sent them hints, so that it gave them a bit more insight into the question. So it could be like a quest, or it could be anything. You know, find this, go to this park somewhere and find the um, oak tree. Um, let me know what what the plaque says on the oak tree or whatever it is. And then um and this tool, uh, we built that out so that you could do like branching paths. So it's kind of like you choose your own adventure. So mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just you know go here find something. It was like go here uh, find something, but then what do you want to do next? And then that gives you different questions. So that was kind of the first big system I ever built, um, as because I started off as a back end developer, and I really I really loved it because I loved creating something which then anyone um, a designer. Well, I guess it's a designer in the end. It doesn't matter who you are, but you are a designer when you're designing a Easter egg hunt. Or you're designing a game or an event and I really loved it because it allowed people to be creative and then the output of that creativity is that people generally have fun which is nice (laughs) and I kind of kept doing that and I remember looking back on um so when I was trying to find a job in London I had to create a portfolio I was looking back on my past work and I realized it was actually quite a quite a, a, a straightforward theme which was create tools for other people to create to show their creativity so i think joining senate and then building design tools that designers can use directly not necessarily release least the design tools for anyone to use but for designers to use seemed to be it was just a, a, kind of a natural evolution of that and i didn't quite realize it until i started doing
0: it it's interesting that you didn't
1: do it intentionally but you feel like you
0: had this path because I think it's easy to think like like people tell you like well, what, what exactly in design do you want to like how like you kind of are encouraged to like narrow and like focus your career but clearly you just found a way to do the things that you enjoyed doing and it just happened you know.
1: I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do because I, I mean in the end it's what I do I would say even though I'm a friend developer I'm still fairly unfocused as a friend developer I would mm-hmm. say I'm a very... I'm not super specialized and I do have a a love for design um, and visual aesthetics and execution. So I think partly it's actually out of necessity I've always wanted to create my own things, design and execute them. So I need tools for myself, right? So I know the value of tools and when I create tools for other people, I see them enjoying it and using those tools. So... And I guess it's also a thing where um, creating a tool for designers or creating a tool for other people, you have to think about the user first and foremost because they have to be they can't be frustrated using it. You have to straddle that kind of complexity barrier, right? You can't sink so much time into it that you've blown out the timeline because you're building this tool which is super user-friendly. But at the same time, you want to give the creator options. So it's kind of like that desire to do these kinds of things and the reward you get from it or the reward I got from it as a developer is something that I'm attuned to. I think other developers, because maybe they don't enjoy that kind of thing, they wouldn't have done it. And I think in general, I haven't met many developers that enjoy creating tools um, in my career. So my very naive assumption is that actually a lot of developers wouldn't do it anyway or they don't they want to constrain other things whereas i seem to want to do well I, I like doing it so i will do it because i get a reward from it mm-hmm. so maybe that's why i fell into it who knows no idea you would have to live live multiple lives to uh yeah. to really know
0: i find it quite interesting that you have skills in multiple areas because my course was similar we like we taught design and illustration in hand in hand and it wasn't a choice either. Like we had like typography in the morning, and then we had you know web design, and then we had painting, and we had drawing and then we had like it was all one thing together. Um, which meant that a lot of people, like me, came out being like, "I'm confused. What am I? Am a designer? Or am I an illustrator?" Mm-hmm. Like some people were encouraged to just choose one mm-hmm. and forget about the other because if, if people can see who you are, mm-hmm. they hire you have to be
1: that role. Yeah. Look, I would say that is, personally, that's not the path I went down, though incidentally I fell into the um, programmer um, path. I would say, you kind of toss it up, right? It's kind of what you want to do, in a sense. Devoting all your time and resources on one specialized thing means you can be very, very good at that one thing, which is really good. But then if you're interested in a variety of things, then you're spreading your time and resources, which means that you'd be less good. doesn't mean you're not good. It just means you're less good at a variety of things. But then that gives you the ability to, if you can find work which allows you to employ all those um, skills, then in a sense, you're like a specialist generalist, um, which especially I think agencies, um, advertising agencies and digital agencies, because you work on small projects, it'll allow, and usually quite creative projects, it allows you to employ those skills a lot more effectively. Saying that, my uni was the same too. In our communication design degree, we did all kinds of stuff. We did live drawing. We did design. We did 3D, uh, video, music, and audio. What was great about that, because it was meant to be a games course, was that games employs all these things. Because games is one of the greatest digital interactive mediums. It literally employs like every skill set, audio, potentially video, 3d motion design ux it's, it's a very complicated data um technical technically very complicated the, the 3d um technology in games um usually leads um 3d in general it's actually it's super high tech and it, it's it's always amazing when you look at um what game developers manage to pull off visually it's just mind-boggling it's it's sometimes it's sometimes way beyond what the movies can do for example because it's all real time it's just mind-blowing and it's it's really funny as a primarily as a web developer when you create these like cool like canvas animations and whatnot it's like nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) like basically nothing compared to what high-end game developers can do Mm -hmm. but then again in games development you've got one person who's really, really good at it, like lighting, yeah. for example, more than one, usually it's like, so imagine if you're like, it doesn't exist currently, but imagine if you're a web developer who's specialized in lighting effects, like it's, it's not a thing because you would never get enough work, but yeah. um, that's kind of the interesting thing about games. So going through a course, which gave you exposure to these multiple crafts, design crafts or art crafts or whatever it is really helps because it gives you a better understanding of how you can execute your own game, which, um, yeah, games, games are hard and it takes a long time.
0: I think when you talk to younger kids and they kind of don't have an idea of like what jobs are and what, it seems like a lot of kids want to like be, like make games.
1: Yeah. Do you know, I guess. Why not? I mean, it's super fun.
0: Yeah. But, but then it also doesn't seem like there's like that much opportunity to like, it seems like a
1: hard to actually like have a job in it um it is it's it's really hard and it doesn't pay all that well um it's pretty notoriously brutal um workload work-life balance goes out the window basically when you make games Mm -hmm. but that's because when people think of games they think of you know the gta's or the um, fortnights or whatever like very Mm high-end We're talking about especially in the case of let's say a GTA or Red Dead Redemption or whatever it's like a thousand people like it's, it's a totally insane production team on it so when people say I want to create games they're thinking usually what I found especially when I was going through uni it was like oh I want to create a game it's like I want to design games Design game design itself is a massive, very deep field, and it's way more involved than people think. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare that one person can create a game by themselves. I mean, it's very, very possible. And people think of games; they don't think about those kinds of games. When people think about games, they think about massive productions like movie-level productions. It's saying that, what you when you go when we went through uni, you realize you start to better understand what's involved in creating a game. You realize that one person cannot create a game. So if you want to create a game by itself, you have to create a certain kind of game. And um, that's the beauty of like indie games. Um, that's what the smartphone um, allowed people to create before smartphone flash it allowed single people with a singular vision who could execute to create their own games and release them, which is amazing. And nowadays there's tools like Unity and so forth where people can create their own games as a solo person. I mean, I don't recommend it as in like to make money. Mm-hmm. Game, the games industry is notoriously brutal um, in, in many cases. I'd recommend, it's kind of like a musician right? or an artist. You should probably have another job and then do it on the side. University exposes you to a breadth of crafts and ideas. And, and I think if you're really lucky, if while you're studying, you really attuned to something because a lot of people leave uni and they don't quite know what they actually enjoy but if in uni you figure that out because you've been exposed to a variety of things and you realize yeah, i think it's, it's not just what you like but what you really don't want to do then you're you're pretty lucky which means that you can then focus on what you want to do or what you're good at preferably what you want to do and you're good at it <laughs> So the, the optimal configuration is that you you find you're naturally good at something you like doing it or you love doing it. And it also pays you, um, money, yeah. <laughs> like as a profession, that's the perfect combination very rarely do those all three things kind of line up, but saying that it's kind of like, uh, as uh, millennials and Gen Z's and whatever we, thankfully we have the opportunity to be able to do these things. I would say, though, I had a similar experience to, I imagine, what most uni people have, or what you had, Mm. is that a lot of people leave uni and they're not sure what they want to do. Because I always wanted to make games, my uni time was about learning the skills to be able to make games. So, thankfully, the degrees were flexible enough, the assignments were flexible enough, where you could theoretically mould everything into a game, as in, this is an assignment about writing so then you mold it to writing for games or this is a 3D assignment okay well I will do my assignment will be 3D modeling for games or um, we had a course uh, we had a, uh, um, a class which was like filmmaking and the film that I made for the assignment was about playing a game so it's kind of like Uni is a beautiful place. A college is a beautiful place because generally you have the flexibility to tailor anything to what you want to focus on. You can always kind of mold it, and I think people don't quite realize that students don't quite realize that until towards the end, or even just after after it's all done. I think if you if you're lucky enough to realize it, and also like if you kind of risk taking enough, or you like you know yourself enough that you you want to tailor anything to what you want to do then there is definitely scope to do that. So I would recommend that for anyone.
0: I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head when you said, like, unfortunately, students just don't realize it until later on. Mm. To be able to, like, make all of your projects go into the direction you wanted to, so helpful for you in the future then, like, because you mm. have all these skills and these, like, projects and stuff, that then you can just go out and, like, start working and start doing the thing that you love instead of wasting I mean it's yeah. not I don't think it's wasted. I, wasting, yeah. I don't think it's wasted but um it just it is it is hard to do when you're like feeling lost and you're
1: just trying all of these different things but no I mean yeah totally it's it's hard like I didn't realize it until maybe halfway through the degree I think it can come it can be born from many things I think a lot often it's born out of frustration is that you're learning you're one or two years in you're like I'm not learning Anything to any depth. Mm-hmm. I've learned all these things in two years, but I can't execute something. Like it's all kind of shallow level, or yeah. so then you get so frustrated that you're like, well, you know, I want to get something out of it. So yeah, you start to mould it to your will if you yeah, you know, or you or you drop out and you yeah, create a startup whatever yeah. it is. So I think what happened for us, so it wasn't that people dropped out of uni entirely is that, that what they did was they dropped one of the degrees um, because it was design and IT. So you would drop design and just focus on IT or you drop IT and then focus on design, which I can totally understand that. Like that can also be a good thing because then you specialize a bit more. Um, but it was more so from the cohort that I went through it with, it was more so because people realized by being exposed to usually, usually the IT side, the programming side, that they just it just wasn't for them, so they just dropped out of it and they focused on the design set, which is t- totally fine. Because yeah. I think yeah, there's that stereotype where people fall into a you know your left brain or right brain, which I think is a lot of crap. But um, people are definitely attuned to one or the other. So why do you why think that's crap? I think people are both in most cases. Yeah. I, just, I think I think it's just that uh, one side's more you choose to reinforce one side. I don't know, that's just my my opinion, but obviously that's clouded by my experience.
0: No, I agree. I remember that we had like maybe I think three coding courses over the degree. Oh, yeah. cool. And it was polarizing. Yeah. The majority yeah. of people in my class all like generally designers, some like kind of illustrator design, whatever. The majority of people hated it. It was yeah. just like dreaded. I think it was like. A Friday afternoon or something like they just didn't put it on like a good day especially they knew people were not gonna like it and everybody was just like I don't get this it's confusing I don't like it I just want to do design like they're just like unhappy there was like maybe less than a handful a couple of people like me and a, like a couple other girls like sitting up at the front like yeah y- you're using a different part of your brain but I think the underlying thing is like you're problem solving
1: do you know what yeah, I mean exactly Which is what design designers do.
0: Exactly. It totally is. It's just in like a different way. I don't know.
1: I I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I haven't researched this. But I think it's the way it's taught. I think programming, the way it's traditionally been taught, alienates a lot of people. Just like how math is taught or science is taught in high school or primary school. I think it alienates a lot of people. It's a lot better now, so I hear, that um, you can teach programming um, in a more engaging way. And that, that can only improve or hopefully it doesn't improve because I believe a lot more, I think most people actually, especially designers, especially designers, because they have to think they're, they're not just problem solving, they're thinking quite logically. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about, they're thinking about all the things that programmers do, mm-hmm. like we, we, designers and programmers, programmers mm-hmm. design, designers, in a sense, program, like it's, they're very, very similar um, activities at their core. I think it's just the way it's taught, which puts people off. Mm. And I think it's, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't help. But, you know, just just the way it is.
0: So how do you think that your day-to-day um, differs? Because in my eyes, I mean, I don't understand what you guys do, really. Like, I, like I have an idea, but, like, I'm not in it like you guys are, right? Mm. So if we're kind of, like, so similar, how do you think it, like, differs
1: from, like, the things that I might be doing? Um, well, that's a very big question. I would say, I would say, uh, okay. From a developer point of view, I think, okay.
0: Hmm. <laughs> is this too big of a question? No.
1: Okay. So I think the biggest difference is that, uh, biggest difference is that um, when it comes to building something, programming something, executing something, it's got to work. And you have to account for all the um potential cases edge cases um, things fail, things succeed and and users have to use it um it needs to be it needs to run on so it needs to run in a browser or, or on a phone or whatever it is. so there is like kind of like that thing where it has to actually work work well is the optimal or work really well is you know the best mm-hmm. work is the bare minimum. I think um when you're designing because theoretically the end well the end user is not actually using your design as such and even though there is testing user testing and so forth, they're not actually using the final product and it's not being released to random strangers which you're not analyzing or whatnot there's less um, you have to account for less things mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that designers are not solving all the problems it's just that they're focusing on different problems that they're solving at that level mm-hmm. like it's kind of it's one of those things where i remember earlier on in my development career you go like well why did the design think of this like why did a designer realize that blah 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 does not work this way he mm-hmm. realize that well first of all it's very difficult to think of every single case as a designer straight up, I've never worked with anyone who's who a designer or I would say even a developer. Like when you start programming something, you don't quite know exactly all the cases. Mm. It's as you're executing something and testing something, do you realize that you've missed this case? So if you can't do it, I don't see why a designer could figure it all out. And they're not the ones even building it, right? Like even physical things like building a house or building a car, the process of building Reveals so many things that you you just don't know. I'm aware of. I mean, the, the 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 more experienced you are in design, the more you catch. But in the end, the process of building something and then actually running something and launching something reveals so many different things. I think that's why it's. So I guess from the difference between design and development, in my mind anyway, is that designers focus on. Even though it's the same overall generic like group of a problem, they focus on a particular set of problems, and then the developer, the programmer focuses on a different set. Even though the goal is the same, that they, they, they can specialize their focus on the things which matter to them, as in like things that they have control over. So that's kind of division of work in a sense. Mm-hmm. So it's just not effective. Unless unless you're one person. If you're one person then you know you do these things fluidly. But most projects aren't just one person. You work with a variety of people. So you only have finite time. So it's it's often just it's just not efficient. You've got to divide your time. You gotta divide your focus. Otherwise it becomes ridiculous.
0: It's it's multiple people coming together. And so when you're doing it on your own, you don't have to talk about you don't have to describe Any of the issues to anybody else, you have your own like focus, and you're just like working away or whatever. And then sometimes, I mean, it's I think it's a good thing, but like sometimes when you then have to like describe like what you want or like how you want something to look or how it should work or whatever, you're like, I I don't know if I know. (laughs) Like you, yeah, it's it's hard to like always get exactly what's in your head and like be on the same page with like another person. Oh, totally.
1: It's it's that's the most. That's the beautiful thing about working with other people is that you actually have to communicate your ideas effectively, and often I think in most cases, until you communicate your idea, you actually haven't really formed an idea very well, and in most cases as well, you don't you, you don't actually form your idea until you get feedback from other people. So you need that communication to even solidify an idea and that's just like anything, right, like a website or app or whatever, you got that iteration internally iterating between people and it's really – so commun- communication is the most important thing when you work in a team, right? So and I guess it goes back to what we spoke about before where um, designers knowing a little bit what um, programmers do, programmers knowing a little bit what designers do, it's really important because you can um, converse in the same language using the same terms but also you kind of – you can shortcut that communication a bit, which is really important.
0: It would be interesting to hear you talk about if you felt like there was uh, a success and a failure or if there were multiple, like it could be anything like small or big, but how, I guess you went, you got past it. Yeah, like how did you recover from like failure? Because I think you see this final product and you don't always understand like, how the people who built it or designed it went through this process um, and how like that process is necessary and it doesn't mean that like you're going to end up with a terrible product in the end just because like there's highs and lows in, within the project, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think the biggest success with Elton was that, so Elton's essentially a very um, large um, high profile brochure site in the end as in like it's a site which is fairly static Mm. the content doesn't change so often it's not like a facebook or whatever like Mm. that it's not super dynamic it doesn't crunch lots of data it's not that kind of project but at the same time we needed to achieve a certain kind of um, design aesthetic that suits elton so as a site i think it, it it seems to suit Elton and it's an Elton's audience It needs to appeal to literally every age range. It needs to be usable at every age range which does limit the kind of things you can do. But I think the, the, the biggest success is that so Elton is backed by a CMS. the client uses it. We don't have any um, interaction. we don't enter content ourselves. agency, We've built a CMS, a tool for the client to use and it allows them to generate pages and allows them to create tour schedules and so forth Mm -hmm. on the front end. And I think the big success is that they can use the CMS to pump out a reasonably large website Mm -hmm. and we have very minimal intervention in that, as in they can create things that look nice, which suits the brand, which is Elton, and we don't have to interact with that, which is great because I've worked with sites before where you back it with like a a WordPress CMS or whatever CMS it is and the client's so frustrated that they can't execute what they want Mm -hmm. and you essentially, as a developer, you're having to go back and create additional features, which is what we do for Elton as well, but it's basically hands-off for us. Which is really good. After it's built and after it was launched, it's basically been hands off. Like, what we've been doing is not, it's it's adding some features here and there, but we're not having to redo large swaths of the website because it, it hasn't worked or it's been inappropriate. So I think that's been a real success. It's been nice to be able to build something which, a tool essentially, which the client can satisfyingly create content out of. So that, yeah, that would be the success I think, and that it's you know it's it's a it's it's quite a highly traffic site, so it's nice that, that the exposure is nice, um, the traffic is nice, mm-hmm. and so forth. I think um, I think a failure that we had um, for those of you um, who know about so when Elton announced his uh, farewell tour, there was like a live countdown basically counting down to that announcement. No one really knew what the countdown was about, but there was a live countdown. And it counted down to an announcement which was live, streamed live. And um, th- we, we did have a, an issue with traffic, as in we were basically we were getting w- way more traffic than we thought we would. And a problem arose which we didn't anticipate. It didn't come up in previous testing, which... Um, was unfortunate and so we had to solve it live which is never great because it's not just live as in people looking at it it's live as in like hundreds and thousands of people are looking at it which is always a bit um it's a bit dicey Uh, in in a previous i I had a, a similar thing in a previous job in a previous um, like event-based so event-based work is very similar it's like it's a live event there's people everywhere mm-hmm. where things go wrong you got to solve things live like event management is it's crazy it's crazy stressful and crazy difficult because mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff happens but it's very exciting too because it's you know adrenaline gets pumping when uh, things go wrong and things always go wrong in some way so anyway with the results and it, was, it was a shame that we didn't um we didn't stress test the site to that level, um, to so that we um, anticipated that level of traffic. But we did manage to resolve it, which was good. So that was, in a sense, a minor success, but really, uh, you know, not great in regards to the, the failure. But still, it was nice to be able to come up with a solution which actually solved it, which was nice. And we all learn from mistakes.
0: I think that that would be a very stressful situation, but um, it seems like it seemed like the whole team was like very calm about like it. Well, anyways, my, my question is like, do you think that like it was because you had gone through some things in the, like in your previous projects that like help helped you? How do you stay calm in a stressful situation? Okay.
1: So we needed, we knew we needed to solve a problem as fast as possible, and we needed to focus our attention on solving that problem rather than freaking out, tipping the table, flipping the table, and then walking out, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. it's things yeah. that for, for for most people, for everyone really, you don't know what happens until it happens. Yeah. I think um, you, you work with people that don't can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll, like, shit goes wrong, and then they'll just flip out for a bit, so, usually they come back, but sometimes they just flip out and they just, that's it, you know, they're just not effective. They're not thinking straight anymore. As in, they're not trying to solve the problem as fast as possible. So because, I mean, everyone here is reasonably experienced. So we we knew how to handle that kind of thing. And so, so it was more about how we solve problems as fast as possible. For me personally, I guess it harks back. So I didn't know how I would handle that kind of thing. It harks back to um, a project way back in the day where we were running a live event. And it was, funnily enough, a traffic problem. So there was too many messages being sent back and forth. And um, when the problem started arising, you go, okay, well, this is not good. This is very strange. And you hope it, usually what you do is like you hope it, it's just like an anomaly or whatever, like a bug or whatever it is. It to resolve itself, but it never really is. There's always, there's always some kind of cause. And you learn that as you get more experienced. And then got to a point where it was like, holy shit, people are literally in a physical space running around trying to solve puzzles mm-hmm. and they're not they're not being able to send or receive um, questions and answers fast enough. So people are getting stuck, getting confused. Um, these people aren't like they did range from just like individuals to like families, and you're like, yeah, you know, you're kind of like, in a sense, you're ruining people's days, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're enjoying themselves, and suddenly they're not enjoying themselves, or mm-hmm. they're getting confused. So I remember that point in time. Um, uh, I had uh, I knew I had to solve that problem, and I was like, okay, well, at that point in time, I didn't realize. Whether I would just flip the table and go, oh, it can't be solved. Mm-hmm. As there's a problem, I can't solve it. The end. Or whether it's more I uh, was a kind of person where it was my oh, uh, there's, there's a problem. Can I solve it? Is there actually a solution around it? And thankfully, I kept plugging away at the problem to find a solution, mm-hmm. which thankfully I did, which was nice. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean that was advantageous. I in the end it's like, Perhaps I could not have found a solution mm-hmm. to the problem and everything, you know, went to shit and that would be very demoralizing. I guess you would learn from that too, but at the same time, it's like, it was kind of nice to know that, like, um, you know, you, you, get, you get all that pressure and you can't resolve it in some way. Bad things still happened, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you could resolve it in some way, which is nice.
0: The more problems you go through, the more confidence you have in yourself to, like, Know that like you're gonna find a
1: way and it's gonna be fine, or like you're gonna be surrounded by people that will help. Yeah, I, I, that's the most important thing. Is that you, you can't do it yourself. Everyone around you work on the same project together. Or whatever it is, everyone supports one another. If you can be surrounded by people who will solve problems together and who won't blame each other when problems happen, you, you want to be in that kind of team. You want to be a team where everyone wants to solve problems together because that's the best place to be. Because problems always happen things will always come up all of a sudden. And if you've got a good support group, if you've got a good, good group mm-hmm. in general that will try and resolve those issues. So it's kind of like that joint thing. Mm-hmm. Like, can imagine if at a live event, like you're a music festival or whatever, all your support staff are like, no, fuck this, like something's gone wrong. I refuse to help. Like, it would just fall apart, right? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the team's really important, a really supportive problem-solving team positive team is probably the most important thing.
0: Okay, I have one last question. What is something maybe in this project or just something that you feel like was a big lesson for you that you would really like people who are maybe just getting into the industry, they want to become front-end developers, or maybe they just aren't interested in the creative industry, a lesson that you learned that you would want to like impart on them? Yeah, something that maybe young you didn't know?
1: I think from a career point of view, the uh, one thing which I've been fortunate enough to have kind of incidentally run into is that, it, no, I'm I'm not a specialist. So am, I'm a generalist, I would say, even though I specialize in the vast majority of my work in programming. That's what I do from day to day. That's how I've made my career and so forth. Mm-hmm. I think it's understanding what you want to achieve like what you want to actually output in your job and understanding whether you're the kind of person who wants to specialize in one thing or whether you want to be more broad and you want to specialize in um, two or three or four things to a lesser extent and i think this I, I believe so. Anyway, we're going to a point um, where having um, they call it like that T-shaped people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: All right? So you got like a, a broad knowledge of a variety of things, but then a lot of knowledge in one or two things or one thing basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what what you want mm-hmm. in this day and age, because. It's kind of like a, it's, it's like a, a risk management thing too, right? It's like, imagine if you specialize in one thing and then suddenly the machines uh, just do it, you know, and then you basically you're out of a job. I think anyone um, forming a career now in this day and age, you need to be able to realize what the human value is in that craft or skill or job. Some you need to realise what and machines or computers cannot, or not just machines or computers, but like an army of low um, low wage earning people can do in your place. You need to know where, what you personally, your style or whatever it is, your creativity, what you can do that can't be easily replicated, and you need to understand the value in that. And probably focus on that because, as as we all live further on, we re- realise that I think it's just, it's just it's just really important to focus on and understand the value of you as a human, a creative human being, rather than job titles mm-hmm. or so or so forth, or what you actually do from day to day, because inevitably um, most people's tasks, everyone, everyone's. Uh, susceptible to a machine or automation or an army of low wage people everyone's everyone's job susceptible to that mm-hmm. and you have to be really be aware of that kind of thing mm-hmm. it's it's important I think it's something that we all have to look out for
0: yeah it is I remember my parents always telling me like whatever job you do like make sure that you enjoy it number one but like make sure that it's something that you can do for Many years.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think the
1: the our our jobs will evolve, anyways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, be so. yeah. It's like I think that's a good way to say it. it's like realize that you have to keep evolving. You have to keep evolving. There is no end point It, it goes on forever. You evolve forever. You change the times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to be open to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thanks, Yang.
1: <laughs> no worries.
0: Thanks a lot to Yang for speaking to me on this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode where I'll be speaking to designer Gil about a personal project of his. See you next time.